We are about to do a 30-minute podcast on a third-line player. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for joining me here today. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis, who is going to be our expert on today's episode. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? I'm good. It's almost Friday. We're getting there. (laughs) Exactly. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 money line bet. That is a hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. We're doing a whole show today about Dylan Dubé because he has come under fire. And you know, it's only fair that, you know, if we're gonna criticize the ten and a half million dollar players, we're also criticizing guys that are getting ice time over uh the young promising and producing stars. So uh, let's make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Can't come hang out with us five days a week. That's what we're here for. And Nick, wh- where do you want to start? So let's start with the simple premise of where you drafted them, the the profile, the type of player, you know, the 10,000 foot view. If you had to describe what Dylan Dubé's game was to somebody. So WHL player. So you got to take all of the WHL stats with a little bit of a grain of salt because that league is very offensive oriented. It's why defensemen who do well in that league generally get drafted higher than they probably should because executives at the NHL level see guys in that league play good defense and think, wow, if you're playing good defense in a league where no one plays defense you've actually got to be pretty good so when you look at Dubé's junior stats we're talking 40 point I want to say it's 40 points 60 points excuse me while I look away 66 55 84 points in about a 40 something game season so over a point per game again supports our evidence that you know easy to score in this league because this is somebody who doesn't have a ton of finishing talent a ton of a ton of this is not a high-end player from a skill perspective this is an effort meat and potatoes using his body skating to get to the right position to make plays happen but at the lower levels the best the worst of players at the nhl level are still really good junior hockey players we, we have to start with our understanding of that with with that simple premise you know only there's seven rounds in the draft 32 picks in a round now we're talking about 230 ish draft picks per year to be one of those drafted guys you've got to be one of the best draft eligible players in the world you know we're we're, we're, there's a very high bar to start with yeah and you know i i understand that brad tree living's draft history has come under fire um but at this point what general manager hasn't flubbed a a draft or two and if a guy is producing and putting up those kinds of numbers that's attractive and with him being a local Calgary kid, you know, I mean, if he's available and you need someone to score, well, I guess that's him. But I don't hate what we saw in the W. It just doesn't always translate. And that no, goes for any not. player from any program. No, of course not. Of course not. And that that's really the, the starting point to go from this next part of the conversation. Of the people who get drafted, 
18% of players in the second round, Dubé's drafted second round, 56th overall, 18% second round picks, excuse me, 18% of second round picks end up playing 200 games at the NHL level. That's not to say they play them well or that they're good or anything. <laughs> it's that 18% of second round picks go on to play 200 games at the NHL level. That is the second most of any round in the draft. You would obviously know the first round gets the most opportunity. That's not necessarily only talent. You know, teams feel if they draft a guy in the first round, they're more inclined to give them more of a shot because the first round pick is worth something. But Dubé is well on his way to that 200 games threshold. He is an NHL he's player. He's at 306 now. Yes, he's, he's hung around long enough. It took him a little while. He put, stayed the extra year of junior. It took He came up for a cup of coffee about 20 games in 2019, 2020 didn't stick came up the next season and was a full regular the first full season he played at the nhl level was to, uh, the 56 game season that was the first full season he played at the nhl level so we're, we're three years into this he's played for two different coaches he's played on vastly different teams it's not a surprise his best output was on the team two years ago where everybody had their career year where they were one of the best teams in the entire league you would expect that but this is an nhl caliber player there are useful tools in his toolbox to make him an NHL caliber player. What you do with him, you know, that's a little bit more open-ended and something else we're going to get into a little bit further on. But this is an NHL caliber player. He's got some offensive inclinations more so than some other guys you would see. But my general, if I had to classify him, he's a third, fourth line tweener. He can, if he's on your fourth line, you're probably a really good hockey team because he's a, if he, a guy who's capable of 30 to 40 points, if that's your guy on your fourth line, you have a pretty deep forward group. The issue is most teams aren't deep enough where they can afford the luxury of playing a guy like that on your fourth line. We know firsthand the, the Flames have played him and on the second line, on the first line, on the third line. He's played up and down the lineup at various points over the last two seasons. So they have tried to give him opportunities to kind of be more than he is. And it's okay that this is what he is. There are, there is use for this type of player. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, I think I can't believe I've been covering him his entire NHL career. That's crazy to me. Uh, but what is so frustrating is that he has had so many chances and nothing has clicked for an extended period of time. And I can see why people are upset about that. I mean, you give a guy so many chances and there's not much of a of a return. The counterpoint to that would be what what other when we talk about flashes, when we talk about flashes in my mind I'm trying to discern whether or not, you know, that's just like, you know, an outlier play, an individual good play, or if that's something that they could maybe get to more consistently. When we talk about those flashy sure. plays, those splash plays, those, the, the, uh, the highlight reel worthy play, is that something this person can do consistently? Or is that, you know, the once in every 20, 30 attempts, because there's sure. a lot of repetition. There's a lot of volume that goes into the game of somebody like Dubé, somebody like Coleman, someone like Manjapani, where it's not high end finishing talent. It's not great puck skills. It's, I'm going to skate as hard as I possibly can, get where I need to be, use my body to create positioning and hope the puck finds me. 
And that's a hard way to live. It is really hard to create offense consistently that way. So that's really that would be the counterpoint I have to that. Of you saw flashes. Well, yeah, he got to good places on the ice. Occasionally, he was able to make a play happen. But this is a pretty common skill set. We see a lot of 5'11", 185 pound guys in the NHL who can flirt between twenty and forty points depending on the situation. So I, I agree with you that based on where you drafted him, you probably would have liked a little more out of him counting stats wise. Mm-hmm. But utility-wise, I'm not opposed to the way they've used him. I do think they've kind of run their course with using him as anything more than the third liner at at best. But Mm -hmm. I I do understand why some people would think, hey, you drafted the guy in the second round. He had a good finishing touch in junior hockey. What happened to that? I definitely understand that counterpoint. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. There's a reason why he stuck around and – We're going to talk more about that uh, coming up next uh, when we discuss the underlying numbers and what the future for Dylan Dubé holds. Uh, But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break here to talk about Jace Medical. I know that we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we take a second to talk about preparing? It's the holiday season. Maybe you're traveling somewhere to celebrate with your family. The last thing you want is to be unprepared because you have come down with a sinus infection, upper respiratory infection, or an ear infection. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and among many other things. This stuff could happen to really any of us. I know right now there is a nasty bronchitis cold nonsense breaking out in my office and people could probably benefit from the Jace case. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared. Go to jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off of your order. Thank you everyone for tuning into today's episode of Locked On Flames. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're getting your shows and of course on YouTube as well. Uh, And just thanks for tuning in as always. You know, it's nice. It's nice to get to uh, see y'all enjoying the show and it's nice to feel like you're not just talking to a wall oh yeah as a content person there's <laughs> nothing worse i long i long for the days i would get regular academic validation to let me know how i was doing to be able to get right concrete feedback because like i appreciate when people tell me oh you did a good job you did a good that was a good episode that was a good show that was a good blog whatever what was good about it i i just telling <laughs> me it's good doesn't help me as a creative i need feedback like this worked yeah. for you this didn't work for you so yeah Any constructive feedback is very much welcome. Speaking of feedback and what makes something good, what makes Dylan Dubé good? Uh, He's got a really high motor. Uh, He's willing to go to dirty areas. He forechecks very well. Um, Yeah, but that's really the best synopsis I could give you. Uh, There's nothing in his game 
puck wise that would indicate anything more than that. He can put the puck in the net if the net's open and he's around it, but he doesn't have deflections in his game. He doesn't shoot what particularly well from far away. I want to remember I pulled it up before. Yeah, they don't he doesn't generate offense on his own. He doesn't get the puck to dirty areas. He can go and get it from dirty areas, but he's not a good enough skater where he's going to be able to go around people to he's not gonna be able to go around people and he's not gonna be able to out foot race most people he's gonna have to beat people on effort and positioning which you know with good coaching you can do a lot with good positioning and a good and um and work ethic work ethic that's been the flames ethos the last two years and why it's been so difficult to score at times because when you have to win every foot race to give yourself a chance and you're not a particularly fast straight line team, you're going to have a hard time creating offense consistently. I mean, this isn't news to anyone who watches the flames, but when you look at the profile, when you have guys like Coleman, Manjapani, Dubé, uh, I almost said Michael Granlin, Backlund, you know, <laughs> when you have these types of guys where they're all good hockey players, they all have tools that are useful but none of those guys is going to go four for four in the shooting contest at the all-star game where they got to pick the pockets. They got to hit the targets in each <laughs> corner of the net. None of them have that type of shooting profile. And not that no. there's anything wrong with that. You need these types of guys to fill out your middle six, to kill penalties, to be on your second power play. All of that stuff is important. But when we're talking about building blocks, you know, eventually the time will come where it's time to pay him and we're going to talk about that more in the next segment because he's got i believe one more year two more years of team mm -hmm. control before he becomes an unrestricted free agent but these this type of skill set is replaceable this is not the type of skill set you want to commit a lot of resources to so you got to find reasons why you would want to do that does he kill penalties well yeah he's a decent penalty killer he's got the type of profile you look for from a penalty killer but ideally on a good team this is your 10th 11 forward. And right now, that's what they're deploying him as. Right now, I wrote it down before. I want to say 11th. Yeah, he has the 11th most time on ice of any forward on the Flames. He's got 500. He has the 538th most minutes of any player in the entire NHL. So we're not talking about somebody who plays an awful lot. So when we ask, you know, we want more, we want more. Well, if he's not getting power play time, he's not playing with high-end players, we should be recalibrating our expectation of what more looks like from him. Sure, maybe that means winning more loose fucks, that's creating more turnovers and transition defensively. But as far as counting stats-wise, the way I look at this in my head, the average NHL player of decent NHL skill can give you 20 points with 11, 12 minutes of five-on-five five ice time. If you give them up to 13, 14, okay, we can bump that up to, say, 25, 30. If you can give them power play time, that's another 10 to 15. And very quickly, you can create the facsimile of a 45, 50-point forward if you just give them more minutes. The issue is how efficient can this player be in those minutes? And that's what we get into of, well, if this guy's really good in limited ice time, how about we see what it looks like in more? But at the same time, you're going to expose that player to more ice time, more competition, better competition, and that might have an invert, an adverse effect on their counting mm -hmm. stats. So, you know, there's a lot of factors at play when we're when we're doing our player evaluations. Who would you consider uh, another comparable player to? Uh, maybe someone uh, not on the Flames. League-wide, um... Tanner Janot, Barkley Gaudreau, um, that 
back in the day, Dominic, not Dominic Moore. He's a center. He won faceoffs. I'm trying to think. Uh, David Kampf, um, who else are useful force liners, but don't have a ton of high end skill. I mean, in an ideal world, I'm trying who uh, a less talented Jesper Faust because Jesper Faust is a little bit better of a shooter. Manjapani without the shooting ability. I mean, that's what separates Manjapani from Dubé. Mm-hmm. Is he actually does have a little bit of a shot, but yeah, there. This is a pretty common skill set. That the way I think people would be more content with Dubé is if the defense was better. And that's really, if you're going to be this type of player and this type of profile, if you're not going to give any offense, that's okay. But you have to be actively good defensively. It's not enough to just like tread water or barely tread water defensively. If you're not going to contribute to counting stats, you have to be actively good defensively. Like when you're on the ice, the other team doesn't have things happen. And that hasn't been the case this year for Duke. I feel like that's probably my biggest critique because, you know, you know what you're getting offensively from him. Uh, If they're wearing the blasty jerseys that night then it's even better you know you kind of know that he's gonna score a goal but it's I feel like he has been a defensive liability and I understand that like you know it happens to everyone everyone's gonna get caught on you know a bad breakaway whatever the case may be but it just feels like it's very consistent with him so my generally when I'm thinking about odd man rushes and misplays and breakdowns there are a few different categories of them there's the you know you got overworked you were out there too long your positioning started to get worse as you were tired Mm -hmm. there's the too aggressive pinch whether that's in the offensive zone and you go too low and you end up leaving your one person or two people back when you should have stayed back or there's the neutral zone over aggressive pinch where you go for the hit in the neutral zone you miss and you leave you're one less guy and you know so as far as the positioning and that type of thing that's something i can understand wanting to be better because that's something mm-hmm. that this guy is supposed to be good at when you are this type of player in this type of skill set you need to be in perfect positioning all the time because you're not going to win a lot of foot races on your speed alone you got to have the good positioning that's really a key component to being a good defense first forward i can't stop thinking about how horrifically he whiffed that puck month tuesday night i think it was yeah. yeah that was uh a perfect opportunity for him and he just it was like charlie brown trying to kick that football it was not pretty but i mean it happens to everyone i want what's best for this kid i think everyone does and limiting his minutes to the third and fourth line feels like the smartest and safest option every team needs good third and fourth liners i mean there's a reason teams will give up a second or a third round pick at the deadline every year when they think they're cup good you need quality players down in your lineup and in an ideal world dylan dubé is a high-end fourth liner we're going to talk more about the future of dylan dubé and what the flames might want to do with him coming up next but before we do that we are going to take a quick break and talk to you about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 
That's a hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zeraris. So with he has two years left uh, of team control before he more than likely tests the market. What do the Flames do here? Yeah, so they have the rest of this season. And next year, he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. So he's two years, two full seasons away from um, unrestricted free agency. He's a cost-controlled asset. He can only ask for so much money. I think you'll play out the rest of this season. You'll see how the negotiations go this summer. There's a world where if he doesn't put up the stats, they'll both submit numbers if it has to go to arbitration. Mm -hmm. It won't be a ton of money. Generally speaking, the mental rule of thumb I use is $1 million for every every 10 points you produce is about the ratio I believe in. If you put up more goals than assists, it's $1.5 million for every goal and $1 million for every 10 points points that's generally the math i i try to use where that way you get a a, a baseline that that's not true mm-hmm. for every single player some guys produce more in different situations and that should be an account but in my mind that's a good way to make sure you keep guys at a reasonable cost because every 10 standing every 10 points being about a million dollars that makes that's a square number it's a baseline it's a starting point if you bought at the peak, when he put up the 44 points two years ago, you would be regretting that right now. That's the conundrum of trying to make these deals work, trying to work all of this out, where you have guys play above their means, and you have to be able to discern whether that was real or not. And it, it sounds weird to describe something that happened as not real, <laughs> but you got to you got to account for the environmental factors around it. Mm-hmm. You know, when everybody on the team has career highs in points, it's only natural guys who are playing third and fourth line are going to have career highs in points as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think a good example of um, that buyer's remorse would be, um, I don't want to say buyer's remorse, but maybe Andrew Mangiapane with that $5.9 million uh, extension that he signed. But you don't you don't want that and you don't want uh the Barclay Goudreau um situation either. That it's, as soon as you mentioned the one his thing name I will say, the one thing I will say that's different is Majapani did score 29 goals a couple years ago. He he did have a really that's good counting stats year. So like I I don't know how I'm pulling up his card right now. He had 35 goals 2 years ago. There are not a lot of guys in the entire NHL who have had 35 goal seasons. You know, that's a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, it was 30 guys had 40 goals, something like 20 something guys had 30, 40 goals last year. So when you start getting in above 30, you know, that that's expensive. 30 goal guys, yeah. no matter what else they do, that's worth a lot. There are just not a lot of guys who are capable of doing that. So that's the counterpoint as far as Manjapani. Gaudreau got paid because the Lightning won Stanley Cups. If the he got traded to the yeah. Lightning and they didn't win anything, he'd be getting two-ish million dollars per <laughs> year because he went from I want to say like one point two million 
on the lightning to like triple that on the Rangers. He's getting like 3.65 as a Ranger. And as a lightning, he was getting a significantly less than that. Hang on. Yeah, he was getting 925. Yeah, he got 925 the first year. Uh, yeah, he got 925 the two years he was in Tampa and they won the Stanley wow. Cup. And he's getting three, four times as much money right now as a Ranger because they won Stanley Cups, not because his play was discernibly different. No. The, uh, wow. Uh, so you guys heard that. If you want to get paid... Win Stanley Cup. Win, win a Stanley Cup. Maybe don't even do anything. You just got to be on a roster. I mean, look at Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon got paid. Pat Maroon's got three, won three straight Stanley Cups. Pat Maroon, it, Pat Maroon had a pretty good NHL career for somebody who was never even like the seventh best player on his own team. No, just kind of the guy in the group project that's just there. I, He'll be like, oh, I uh, can you send me the slides so I can uh, read them? Pretty much, that's yeah. It. That's it. Maybe that's what we all should start doing, just coasting through life. I mean, I don't know how <laughs> out there a lot of our audience is, but there are a lot of people just coasting through life. Yeah. No. Apply yourself, kids. It'll set you set you apart. But um, do they explore trading him this season around the deadline if they're out of a playoff spot? I think there's a world where you can make that make sense. The Lightning traded for Tanner Janot. Teams value this type of skill set where they think in a different environment they might be able to get a little more out of him. I mean, he's a pretty average NHL player. I'm, I'm looking at his Z scores right now. I mean, he's pretty close to within one standard deviation in all the major categories. I mean, granted, all of them are below average except for <laughs> goals for, but he's not terrible. He's not the worst player in the NHL. There are far worse guys you could have if you're a team that's trying to win. He's useful as a four checker. He can kill penalties. He's a little expensive for somebody who doesn't put up counting stats like two and a half, two and a quarter or something like that. Yeah, 2.3. That's, That's not right. a ton of money. If you wanted to make it work, you could even eat half of it. So he's only costing the team he's going to 1.15, which for what he is at 1.15 million, if you're a good team, you would take that. And you have the uh, you have the luxury of team control next season as well. So mm -hmm. if there's a good team or a team that's on the fence, I could see a world where they would be interested in this type of player. But I, I just don't know. I feel like he's the exact type of guy they would keep if they sell off more guys because they want to have familiar faces and they want to have yeah. guys that they feel like they they're developing. We're like, even if they know he's nothing more than a third liner, they still want to have him because it's continuity. He's just got that underdog mentality to him. I think just that persona and nothing wrong with that. I think he's, he's done well for what his abilities are. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, n not everyone is going to go out there and give you, you know, Matthew Kachuk numbers. That's not realistic, and that's just not something that should be of ex should be expected of your, you know, bottom six players. And they're not, they don't have the high end talent. That's why they're in your bottom six. Yeah, completely agree with you on that respect. So unless you are a general manager on your silly little video games and simulating seasons, um, maybe sit this one out. But 
I hope you all had fun listening to our player evaluation of the one and only Dylan Dubé, who will uh, be playing a hockey game tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes, who supposedly have interest in Dan Vladar and Elias Lindholm. Uh, Maybe we'll see some movement there eventually, but Nick, do you have any final words for us today? I'm so happy it's Friday tomorrow. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and put on chapstick.